You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Episode 33, The Paradox. Welcome to The Paradox with your attending, Dr. Eric Larson. He is a practicing anesthesiologist and clinical assistant professor at Michigan State University College of Human Medicine. Listen in as he takes you behind the scenes of what practicing medicine in today's ever-changing world is like with another doctor. The Paradox is a fun and accidentally informative show for physicians, patients, or anyone who has ever found themselves in a waiting room. Welcome to Paradox. I'm your host, Dr. Eric Larson. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you're a first-time listener, please be sure to hit the subscribe button in your favorite podcast player so you don't miss a single episode. There are also plenty in the archives, so go through the titles and find a couple more that you'd like to listen to. And please, I encourage you, and I appreciate those who already have, to share the episode with your friends and colleagues if you find something that you think would be something of interest to them. Today we're going to be delving a little bit away from our usual topics. And again, I feel like I say this almost every episode now as we sort of branch out in what we discuss and related to medicine. But today we're going to be talking about personal finance. We're going to be talking about the fire movement. And this has nothing to do with firearms or wildfires, but this has to do with finance. And personal finance for physicians, professionals, and even people who are not professionals, so to speak, because we're just talking about ways of achieving financial independence and retiring early. My guest today is the physician on fire, Dr. Leif Darlene, who is an anesthesiologist and just about ready to retire. And I did not ask him in the episode, but I think he's not quite hit 50 yet. And uh, he worked briefly for my anesthesia group, although we only met once uh, in person because he was working in a different location. But anyway, great discussion. And I think you'll learn a lot, whether you are a high income earner, someone who in the med- in the middle, or someone even on the low end. Because I think there's, the principles here are ones that that how much you have to save for retirement is entirely dependent on how much you need to spend in your retirement. But we'll get into that discussion during the show. Since I've come back from the vacation, I've been off by my episode numbers. I apologize, not that probably anyone noticed in the last episode. But this is actually episode 33, which you know since you see it on your podcast player. But I was unaware and thought I was episode 32. I think that's in large part from not paying my staff enough or actually even having a staff. So anyway, not that, it, again, it probably bothers anybody at all, except me in trying to organize my episodes and keep track of things. The show notes will be at theparadox.com slash 033. And there you can find links to everything the Physician on Fire has written, well, to his website, anyway, which, in which case you can get access to everything. Uh, he does send out a newsletter, or I guess an email blast every Sunday, which is the best of the web from Physician Finance and and really the fire movement, which again, I don't want to specifically point out that it's just for physicians, it's for anybody. In our discussion, we're going to go over the reasons you want to achieve financial independence, the reason one would want to retire early, and even how to fend off some of those criticisms one might get from your colleagues or family members or just the lay public, the average person up the street who wonders why you could do all that training and then you want to walk away at such a young age. Also, you can support the show financially which would be much appreciated. And again, if Jeff Bezos is out there, I have really no limits in how much you can give per month. But I only ask that you join one of the three tiers, either the $2, $8, or 
or $25 a month tiers uh, of patrons at patreon.com slash paradox. Uh, there, the money will just be used for the promotion and the production of the show, not for my personal enrichment. And now that I think of it as the recording of the show, uh, there's just been announced that Jeff Bezos is probably going to be in the midst of a divorce and lose half his wealth. So I think the likelihood of it, any of it finding its way to the paradox is probably substantially smaller than it was even a couple of weeks ago. But anyway, on to the show with Dr. Leif Dahlin, the physician on fire. Enjoy. Welcome here with my new friend, Dr. Leif Dahlin. Uh, this is Eric Larson, and this is The Paradox. And today we're going to be talking about something totally different than what we've discussed in the past. We're going to be talking about money. Well, not, I guess we talked about money lots of times, but today we're going to be talking about personal finances. And Dr. Dahlin is uh, part of the FIRE movement. He's an anesthesiologist, practiced briefly for our group here in uh, Michigan. He's now currently uh, in Minnesota. But uh, he has been, I don't know, the forefront's probably the wrong word, but sort of a, a proponent of the FIRE movement. So we're going to talk about that and about how you can be a part of that, whether you're whether or not you're a physician, but certainly this is going to focus a little bit on physicians because we both are. And um, so, Dr. Deline, first of all, thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you for inviting me. And you can call me Leaf. Leaf, right. Yeah. Yeah, and you can call me Eric, too. Just we'll keep Since we're professional colleagues, we can use the first name. Indeed. <laughs> Only med students have to call me. But, <laughs> um, so... Uh, so why don't you discuss what briefly what fire is, and then just kind of go into how you, I guess, stumbled into it and uh, joined the movement. Sure, right. In this case, we're talking about an acronym, uh, not the burning hot orange flame. Um, so financial independence, retire early, uh, and I put the emphasis on the first two words, the financial independence piece, um, and that basically means that you're in a position financially where work is optional. And uh, that obviously gives you the option to retire early. And that's based on uh, having a sizable enough uh, uh, set of assets to portfolio, or in some cases, maybe rental properties and other things, but uh, that, that kick off enough money for you to live on. And that's, that's the very basic, you know, 37,000 foot view of what it means uh, to be to have financial independence and that's what the fire movement is about getting to a point where you can make that choice of if you work how you work when you work etc right so so it is it the it's almost an emphasis really on the independence part right so that you have the options to kind of do whatever you want to do wherever you want and and you live life more on i guess you on your terms than dependent on someone else's and how they and you're not dependent on their that income specifically, right? Right, right. So, um, yeah, once income becomes optional, then you have just a whole different world of opportunity. And you also have some leverage that you didn't have before. You know, if there are certain aspects of the job that you don't like, but you want to continue in your profession, well, you've got the power to walk away. And that actually can be really, really powerful. Yeah, I would, and I would say, Personally speaking, as uh, as we paid off our mortgage and got out of all of our student debt, that alone feels, it's surprising that even if your loans are not that much, to not have to make loan payments of some sort, it is uh, it is an amazing feeling. I know you listen to Dave Ramsey talk about it or something like that, but it is really, um, you don't realize there's a weight on your shoulders, I guess, that there's this obligation to, to um, that you've got... Uh, 
a financial obligation to somebody, and suddenly if that's gone, it is really liberating. And, it uh, is, and then your paychecks look bigger, and so you want to be yep. careful not to just <laughs> say, "Oh, more money to spend," and and then uh, <laughs> all of a sudden you're back to where you were, and, and in some ways, although you're still debt free. But yeah, we did the same thing. We have no mortgage. Uh, Paid off student loans, which for me weren't that big. I went to state schools and had scholarships and all that, but it was like sixty thousand dollars or something like that. Um, and that was again fifteen years ago when I finished school. Sixteen mm-hmm. now, um, seventeen. Jeez, time flies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the other look thing, at you, look in the mirror. <laughs> yes, Happy New Year. Um, you also can stop paying for things like term life insurance and disability insurance, because again, those are there uh, to protect you and your family if you can no longer work. But if you can afford to no longer work, then those insurances are redundant. So, you know, I stopped spending 300 some dollars a month on my disability uh, policy Mm -hmm. and and another 30 or $50 a month on that term life insurance once I realized that we were financially independent. So yeah, it's like the paychecks get get bigger and bigger uh, once you don't need them which is kind of interesting. Yeah. And, and I think the important thing to, to mention too, is, you know, we're, we're talking about high income people as physicians, but it really would apply to anybody. I mean, I think probably it, it's the, it's all a mathematical question, right? As far as how much you, how much you require yeah, yep, <laughs> to, you to spend live, or right? anticipate spending each year. And then you multiply that and the common number that's probably talked about most is a 4% withdrawal rate. So living on 4% of your portfolio each year, in which case you need to have 25 times your annual spending saved up. And the math works out. You just divide uh, the number 100 by the withdrawal rate. And that's the number of years you need to save. Now, to be uh, a little more conservative, to have a bigger cushion, uh, to plan on a especially long retirement, which I intend to do, I think it's prudent to maybe rely on a lower withdrawal rate. If you use like 3.3%, you need about 30 times. If you want to go as low as 3% of a withdrawal rate as how much you're going to actually spend of that portfolio, uh, then you're looking at 33 times. So yeah, let's say you spend $100,000 a year and maybe that's, you know, for a lot of doctors doesn't sound like much, but once you don't have a mortgage, you know, once you're, a lot of those one-time expenses are taken care of. You're no longer paying down student loans, et cetera. You can live pretty well for $100,000 a year. Most families don't bring that home. You know, uh, so then the 25X turns into 2.5 million. The 33X is 3.3. And, you know, there's also, like I mentioned, you can approach it from a cash flow standpoint. Some people, um, like my friend, passive income MD, Peter Kim, he is a uh, you know, proponent of looking at your, your monthly cash flow. And some of that might come from rental properties, as I mentioned, businesses, et cetera. It's term passive is it's problematic sometimes because a lot of that, you know, business and, and uh, a lot of work. income is semi-passive <laughs> to active, but, but uh, basically as long as you have money coming in reliably that can cover your monthly expenses. And then some you can consider yourself to be financially independent from uh, that aspect too. So the so that's the financial independence part. Uh, let's discuss the retirement early. And so, I, I think traditionally people think sixty five is when you retire. So that'd be sort of the standard retirement age, or sixty seven and a half, or whatever right. you know, it's designated by Social Security. So, the second half of the FIRE acronym suggests retirement early. So what are, what are people talking about? And I guess what's your motivation for that? 
so I think this whole fire movement, um, you know, I became aware of it by reading about a guy who goes by Mr. Money Mustache, uh, Pete Adeny out in Colorado. He is a guy that retired from a software engineering job at age 30. And uh, just he and his wife raised their kid and he, he did a little bit of stuff on the side, uh, some construction projects and whatnot, but uh, essentially considered himself retired with 25 times his quite low annual spending already saved up. Um, so yeah, like you mentioned, it can, it can be a, a viable option for people of, uh, lower incomes, you know, but it, like, obviously it helps to have more income, makes it easier. I talk about living on half of your take home pay. And if you can do that, if you can, you know, for every dollar you spend, save and invest a dollar, you'll be financially independent. You're going from broke in about 15 years, give or take, depending on market returns. And so, uh, you know, it is a, it is a viable option, uh, the white coat investor likes to say you're never more than about 10 years away from financial independence. You know, if you can learn to sock away in that case, it would be maybe 60, 65% of your, your take home pay. Um, what's the motivation? That was the other question. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So why are you doing me, this? It was interesting. I didn't, uh, I didn't envision if you told me five years ago that I would be on the cusp of retiring and I'd have this website where I talked about it and all that, I, I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't believe it. It doesn't sound like me. I thought I'd work at least until, you know, I was an empty nester, which I think I'll be about 53 at that point. So that's 10 years away. I've got an eight year old at home and a 10 year old boy. Um, yeah. And so I, like I said, I, I found this Mr. Money Mustache. I read a lot of his site because it was really intriguing at the time. I was also studying for the uh, maintenance of certification exam that was Ooh, supposed to be good bum, for bum, 10 bum. years, you know, and I was thinking, well, we'll have to do this again in 10 more years. I'm going to go back and find that, that uh, mustache thing, read more about that. And I did. And I, it, and then I you know, learned about the math behind it. And I was like, Hmm, I know we crossed the, you know, seven figure point in our portfolio a while ago. And I ran the numbers, added up, you know, what we had looked at about what we spent and, and sure enough, I, I could call ourselves financially independent. Um, which I thought was amazing. I was like, well, obviously not going to quit my job right now, but it's, it's really something to think about. Like, what do I want the next 15, 20 years to look like, you know? Um, and our kids at that time were, this was three or four years ago. So they were like maybe, you know, four and six years old. Um, so my wife and I started talking and kind of came up with about a five-year plan and thought we'd get them through grade school, elementary school, for the most part here. And then we could kind of go wherever, do whatever. So we talked about some big adventures, traveling with our kids around the world and uh, spending summers, you know, close to family in, in Northern Michigan. Um, and I'll keep my license. You know, I don't want to six to 12 months after my last day of work here, which is going to be in August of 2019. I don't want to have this, wow. uh, I've made a huge mistake, you know, kind of feeling. And, and <laughs> so I'll, I'll, I'll make sure I can still work if I want to with an active license and ACLS and all that, all that good stuff. Um, you know, maybe I'd even uh, come back to, to Grand Rapids and, and visit you guys, but uh, I'm not making any plans right now. Just keep your right. door open. So, I mean, part of it is just the option of doing what you want, right? So if, if you're enjoying your job, enjoying what you're doing, you can... You have, um, I think Scott Adams has talked about it, 
at least the point where he can he can make des- he can make bad financial decisions in his sense that he can lose speaking point uh, engagements or book op- offers by being controversial or whatever on Twitter and things. So it's just having that independence and the options to do to kind of do what you want to do. Yeah. But to write, I mean, that's that's sort of what you're looking for, so that you you have the the fu money. <laughs> So yeah, speak, that's what people call it, right? Yeah, right. That leverage and, yeah. I mentioned, uh-huh. right? And so, <clears throat> one question people ask, and if we're just going to stick with physicians for, just for the time being, right now, yeah. So, a lot of people, and I say this, but from as policymakers or a lot of the lay public will say, "Well, how can you go to medical school? You're going through, so you're going through school. Medical school is four years. You're done at 26. You do residency four to three to five, six years." You're done your mid thirties, and now you're retiring at age forty-four. What, the society invested in you. Um, there's been a how, and there's so many people who need medical care. How can you just walk away? Yeah, you know, there's there's definitely a slippery slope there. You know, like is there a set amount that's enough? I don't know. I mean, my wife went to a. a public schools all the way from kindergarten through college and uh and and then got her uh master's degree at another one and and she hasn't worked uh really you know professionally in her profession as a dietitian at at all um i don't see people you know coming down on her for (laughs) choosing to be a stay-at-home mom but um you know in some ways you you can make a similar argument there um you know and she'll be reworking she'll be working every every weekend, right? I mean, we have this ability to do these, you know, these amazing things. Should we be working more? Uh, is, is one decade enough? Is two enough? Um, I know that in residency that, uh, you know, the residency program was supported with Medicare dollars, but I don't feel like, uh, you know, working 60 to 80 hours a week for about $10 an hour was, was really well subsidized. I think the department was subsidized, <laughs> but I think it would have cost them a heck of a lot more to hire a CRNA to do the same work. Uh, so yeah, I don't, I don't feel like I was uh, really on the government uh, dole at that point. So, uh, right. Yeah. Well, I mean, on some level, we're all in the government dole, everybody in this country, right, well, you know, we there's, all, in, there's so much money sloshing around, right? Great. So you can't really point. make that argument, I think. Well, shoot, I, you know, I've, I've paid six figures in, in income taxes pretty much every year for 12, 13 years. So I, I think I'm closing in on something like $2 million paid back. Uh, if you, you know, factor in property taxes, sales tax, income tax, everything else. So yeah, I feel like I, whatever debt I might've had has probably been paid back several times over. You know, another argument is the free care that, that we give. We have a lot of self-pay, no-pay patients that we take care of. And, you know, so I'm sure there have been hundreds of those I've, I've done too. Sure. And, and, to that, and to that answer, I would, I'd also add, uh, there, I'm not sure about your medical school. Where did you go to medical school, actually? University of Minnesota. Okay. So you, I, undergrad too. I got the impression you were, I knew you were Midwest somewhere because I went to Iowa. So, yeah. But I'm sure same thing in the sense that there were people there who were, Oh, what's the the term was non-traditional students. Mm-hmm. They weren't one straight out of college, right? So they we had a couple who were who had a pre- previous career. Yeah, we had uh, a grandfather in my group, class. Right? Yeah. And, and so these are people who and I remember thinking at the time like why are you getting into this? You're only going to be able to work for like 10 years or something. Yeah. And, and then you just and but then, you know, that's kind of what you're doing. You're just doing the reverse end. Mm-hmm. Uh and I don't think anyone begrudged that person or the 
state and you know you could argue maybe it's not a good subsidy by the state to sort of uh, help uh, to subsidize medical education to train someone who's going to only work for 10 12 years or something i don't know i mean those are yeah I'll those say are it's probably possible calculations you're gonna have people that don't work in the profession at all uh you know i know someone who finished residency and then was a stay-at-home mom after that yeah you know and i don't grudge her whatsoever no um, it, you're gonna have is, people that work till they're 80 and it's gonna be everywhere in between so sure and people pass away unexpectedly there are you know people commit suicide especially physician ranks yeah. I mean, there's high suicide rate within physicians yeah. and there's a lot of money invested in that uh and so i think so i i don't begrudge anybody because i also don't think i i owe anybody anything in some in some respects right. except uh, my obligations to my family interesting because like people say well but you help people and i say yeah i i do you know three or four at a time that's how many i can medically direct uh in the operating rooms um but doing this thing with the website and I'm talking about personal finance and investing and, and all these other things. And I, I get some great emails from people that were just really inspired and motivated and making positive changes in their lives. Um, I reach thousands of people every day and help them in some way uh, with their personal finances. So I feel like I'm doing more good in a way with this other career and, and I have a hard time now really saying that I'm retiring because I do spend a lot of time uh, communicating with people and writing and, and doing the whole blog thing with physicianonfire.com. So uh, I have that, uh, but you know, that, that doesn't necessarily apply to um, other people that choose to retire. If they just want to retire to travel the world, that's, that's great. More power to them. Right. I mean, I think, I think in general people are unlikely to retire I think retirement is probably a misnomer, right? Yeah. I think it it suggests idleness, and I think there are sure people maybe when they hit ninety aren't aren't able to really produce much. Uh, but you know, if you're fifty, you're probably doing something or or contributing to society, or you're helping your kids watch you know watch your grandchildren, or there's yeah. probably something you're doing that is of some sort of benefit to somebody. And so it's especially if you're a highly trained person, I think it's pretty unlikely that you're just going to be golfing 36 you know holes of golf every right. day. yeah yeah a lot of people have else. that the word retirement uh, it just conjures up images of beaches or golf clubs or mm-hmm. umbrella uh and the little colorful drink but yeah no it's that's not necessarily what what most you know younger people who, who leave their their primary you know quote unquote nine to five ours is more like a six to six and that's 24 hours, not 12. But, uh, yeah, you know, we, we do something productive and that's my nature. Like I, I always want to be somehow productive doing, doing something. So my wife is glad I have this website because she's like, you would find something else, you know, you would be doing something if you weren't uh, doing anesthesia. So, oh, but yeah. I do look forward to having, you know, just more family time and these, I've been working part time now actually for uh, about a year, almost a year and a half. And uh, I can I can take three week chunks of time off, and we've spent time traveling uh, as a family. Went to Mexico for three weeks one time. Went to Hawaii for a few weeks. Went to Florida for a couple of weeks. Um, we've traveled to Europe together, although I didn't have a big chunk of time then. That was about six months before I started this new part time schedule. But yeah, so I just kind of want to stretch that out. Go kind of live in in place rather than vacation somewhere and try to pack everything in into six or seven days like we usually do so yeah so let so let's uh let's imagine you're talking to someone who is uh either just entering or just finished completing the residency 
or maybe even entering a residency mm-hmm. uh, and or let's talk about someone who's just finishing law school or something like that, a professional. Mm-hmm. What would you say are the biggest if you're if you're thinking, you know, maybe I, I want this to be an option. I want to have the, the ability to get, reach financial independence. I'm 25, 30 mm-hmm. years old. What are the biggest mistakes and what are the things I want to try and try and avoid doing right now as I as I'm going out into life? Sure. Well, I think the biggest it's it's you have to have that savings, right? You, you really do need to save a substantial portion of what you earn. And so that means you, you want to avoid doing what probably most of your colleagues will be doing, which are, you know, buying or leasing luxury automobiles, uh, living in the nicest uh, neighborhood that uh, you, know, you can find in the one more expensive homes that you can get a loan for. So it, it really just comes down to uh, finding a comfortable lifestyle in which you're happy, uh, but still able to uh, save like I said, if you can save a dollar for every dollar you spend, you're going to be in great shape. And so what would you use? So the biggest thing is to not. So that lifestyle cars, inflation, right? don't, don't succumb to, yeah. you, know, you know, quote unquote, keeping up with the Joneses. I know it's a tired phrase, but, but you just, you don't want to do that. <laughs> well, I always joke that um, no matter how big a bucket you get, you can always put a bigger hole in the bottom of it. Yeah. And I, I will see it, it is striking to me. The number of, the number of colleagues I have, who are late in their career, who can't can't miss a paycheck. Yeah, like they get sick or something, they're, or they they need advances. And I'm like, I cannot, that I can't imagine being shocking, sixty some years right? old. Yeah, and you, it, because I know what it, the incomes are, and I just I don't I don't know where the money goes. But I mean, I you can you can see how you can easily spend yeah. all kinds of money if you boats and cabins and I have both. <laughs> You know, but they're <laughs> modest. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's surprising. But you're right. You know, people don't want to be frugal necessarily, and they say, "Well, just you know, work on the income side. You can make more income." But like you mm-hmm. said, you, you can always outspend any income. It's like Johnny Depp spending two hundred million dollars a year. There's there's really no limit as to what you can spend, and so working on the income side only helps if you don't spend up to that income. So when you work on the frugality side and, and learn to spend a portion of your income, you can, you know, you can get ahead quicker. And the other benefit of finding a good, comfortable lifestyle with a, let's say moderate to moderately high level of spending in the maybe low six figure range, we'll, we'll just say hundred thousand a year. Cause that's really easy math, you know, then your target number to be financially independent is lower. You know, if you're spending $200,000 a year, now you need uh, at least 5 million to be considered financially independent uh, based on that 4% withdrawal rate we mentioned earlier. But if you're living on a hundred thousand a year, now you need 2.5 million, maybe to 3 million. And if you're living on, let's say 60,000 a year, well, then it's, you know, uh, 1.5 million. So, uh, the math works out in your favor. If you can find a way to not quote unquote need, you know, the, the luxury cars and you can, you can, you can have one. You just have to, you have to factor that in and realize you're going to need more money and spend more time, you know, getting there. But you know, it's all, it's all about the math. And I'm not saying that there are certain things you can't have. Um, you know, there's one 
gal named Paul Pant who has a, a pretty popular podcast called Afford Anything, and her tagline is, you, you, can, uh, you can't afford everything, but you can't afford it. No, I said that totally wrong. <laughs> um, you can afford every. You can afford anything. You can't afford everything. What would you What would you say people should target for retirement age? Because if you want to retire, you say fifty five is a reasonable or. or would you not even have an age? That's reasonably early. Um, you know, I didn't think I would ever want to retire early. I, I like my job. I think. Mm-hmm. I mean. It's yeah. I mean, for for what we do and, and the compensation we get, it's 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 pretty cool, you know. Yeah, uh, I agree. But I like my work. I like my days off. I guess more than my work days typically, and especially with this you know busy growing family and, and time flying by, and my kids are halfway to being out of the house already, and you know, it seems like we're just holding them as babies. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so as far as what date. You, you target, I, I don't know if I would necessarily do that because you're probably not going to be thinking about, well, I'm just starting my career. How soon can I get out? You know, that's a terrible attitude. And I kind of <laughs> right. feel bad for people that discover this whole fire movement when they're just getting started uh, in a way, because if they decide that's what they really want, then that makes like 10, 15 or 20 years it takes to get there uh, you know, a bit more of a slog maybe. But, um, you know, I'd focus on that, you know, what, what it takes to become financially independent because you as a person will change your job very likely will change. So even if you're super happy doing exactly what you're doing, you, you're doing the thing you trained for that you love and this is what you wanted. And you still want to get to a point where you have options and you want to get there before you're 65 or 70. So um, I'm, I'm going to push that live on half again and say, if you're broke and you're 32 years old, uh, 15, to 20 years. So by age 50, you should be in a position of financial independence. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I would say, speaking personally, uh, when it comes to you know, my partners who have anxiety over getting paychecks and later in their career, uh, we're, we were not in that position. We've been, I wouldn't say we're frugal. Um, I tend to be kind of cheap for myself, but we, we have nice stuff, but, uh, we had a, Nice financial question, as and as regular listeners of the show would know, uh, my son passed away in August. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so sorry and, about that. Yeah, thank you. Um, and so that's, I mean, obviously it can't be more unexpected than that. No if, kidding. But it was, it, but it, you know, my wife stopped working. I stopped working for a while. And to not worry about not working mm-hmm. and to just say, we're going to take time till we are okay to get back to work or to where maybe that's helpful to go back and, you know, whatever, uh, to not have any anxiety about that is, is, uh, was very comforting in itself, uh, to, to not worry that you're going to, that you have to go back in a week because right. and you, you, you just have you, to you earn some to money yourself and the grieving process. I, yeah, I understand. And yeah. I, so uh, yeah, you're seeing now with the government shutdown, which is in the midst of while we're recording, uh, you know, there are a lot of people that are, you know, they're starting GoFundMe's and they're eating Raymond and, and they don't have an emergency fund, even a few weeks worth of, uh, you know, expenses saved up. So, uh, yeah, a minimum, the first thing you want to do is just get that few months worth of uh, what you spend set aside as your emergency fund. Um, that's, uh, I guess that's a stepping stone to you know, making your way towards financial independence. So you've, you started Physician on Fire, uh, and then you're 
the uh, the website is on fire.com or is it you can, on uh, you can PO fire.com oh, yeah. gets you there. Or if you want to type it all out, physician on fire.com. Yeah. You pay for both domain names. You lay down do. $40 yeah, <laughs> to Google. Yeah. And, um, and you started that a couple years ago. How has that process been? I mean, uh, from a standpoint of, uh, what do you, what sort of personal enjoyment have you gotten out of it? What sort of, um, it's financial and monetization have you gotten out of it? I've gotten a lot more out of it than I ever would have imagined. I, like I said, I, I started reading that Mr. Money Mustache. I found a few other fire blogs and I found the White Coat Investor uh, shortly thereafter. And I, I really got into this stuff. I, you know, I started learning a lot. Uh, I had been on the Bogleheads website, which is kind of like a vanguard fanboy <laughs> forum. Uh, <laughs> but you learn a ton. There's some really, really intelligent conversations going on there. Um, but yeah, after I you know, read, read the White Coat Investor, a lot of his stuff, uh, I thought, I think there's room for another another voice here uh, talking. You know, he had a, an article that said 14 reasons not to retire early. I was like, yeah, but I could almost refute each and every one of these for an <laughs> argument. And, and, uh, and I didn't have much experience writing, but when I occasionally did, usually like to complain about something, some kind of injustice at work or whatever. But um, I feel I could put words together well enough to make a point. And so I just started uh, reading well, how to start a blog, and then I started a blog. And it's been just over three years now, and we've had almost 5 million page views on the site. Uh, wow. Yeah, about half of those in the last year. Uh, so it's, it's a popular topic. It's a range of topics that I talk about. But um, it's been awesome. I've met a ton of people. Uh, as you might know, I actually kind of partnered with the White Coat Investor. Uh, so he and Passive Income MD and I are now three members of the White Coat Investor Network. And we, we do some cross-promotion and publish each other's uh, classic posts and, and collaborate in some other ways uh, with, with his business. And, and uh, that's just a couple people, but I've been to different meetups uh, with uh, readers. I've been to, you know, conference of bloggers. I've been to some other things. I've made a lot of friends in real life, you know, that uh, are people I never would have, you know, had a chance to meet uh, if not for doing this. So I'm also using the site uh, to earn some money, which is interesting. And I am donating half of those profits. So I've been building up this donor advised fund that we'll be able to give from over a lifetime. And we've got uh, and one of my goals prior to retiring, because I do have a bit of guilt associated with, you know, stepping away from this profession. Um, but to, to build up a good sized uh, donor fund that we can give from. So that's at uh, about you know, 10% of, of what our nest egg is. So, you know, for every, every, $10 you spend, we can donate a dollar and do that forever too. So that's pretty fun. And I have a feeling we're, we're going to be donating a lot more than I anticipated because the website is much more popular than I thought it could ever be. That's really cool. Uh, and so obviously you're, when you retire, you're going to continue working <laughs> on the exactly, website and yeah. the blog, I'm right? Retired, I mean, not retired. Uh, it's <laughs> retired from your primary profession, perhaps, I guess is the yeah, way. Yeah. And, uh, Again, it wasn't necessarily what I anticipated, um, but I wouldn't uh, stop doing this. You know, at this point, it'd be it'd be silly, and I can do it from anywhere in the world, and I can step away from it without consequence. So, 
Yeah. 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 I've, and I would, I would echo that and that I, I started this podcast as a way of, I had three episodes in my, my mind. Uh, and we're at, on episode 32 right now. So yeah. show notes for this and links to your website will be at theparadox.com slash 032. I notice I have the zero, so I'm ambitious that I'm going to hit yeah, the digits that's at some good. point. That's good planning. Uh, I don't, I don't, however, plan hitting four digits. <laughs> I think it will exceed yeah. my lifetime. Um, uh, but uh, this podcast has been, uh, the, the message I've gotten from people have been pretty uh, profound uh, where you know, people's lives have changed and they've refocused their, what they're going to do for their career. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had, and then I've had this, as you said, just the people you meet, I get free books, yeah, <laughs> which is kind of nice, but I, the people you meet and uh, on through conversation and the new acquaintances you make, it's, it's really a neat thing because it, with anybody, you're sort of limited. Your, your social circle is limited to, what your social circle is, is people within your proximity, perhaps within your profession. And then whenever you branch out into something new, you have the ability to meet and network with new people, which I've never uh, liked the term networking because yeah, it always sounds like a sales sort of yeah. kind of slimy kind of your, your working people, you know, Right. but it, I guess, and I, I guess the way it should be viewed is that it's more of a, a way of just branching out and just, finding out new pe- finding new people and new interests and and that's probably a better way of looking at networking but i think that's because i'm an introvert and so i'm maybe naturally suspicious of <laughs> yeah, yeah i'm kind of the same way <clears throat> yeah i find most people who do this sort of thing tend to be fairly introverted which i've always found kind of interesting but it, it's easy for me to talk into a microphone because i'm not you know have to deal with 20 people in a crowded cocktail party or something right uh, uh so what's a you're retiring in august yep. what's your What's your plan for the end of the year? I mean, I imagine you have some sort of idea you're going to go on trips. Your kids are in school, so they're probably not going to, you're not going to go away for long periods of time. Yeah. Or do you just pull them out? Our kids have been in public school and and our school has been very generous in letting us take like 10 weeks away per year in chunks (laughs) of three weeks at a time. Truants. Yeah. So we've been very fortunate there. Um, But we are going to start homeschooling next uh, fall and, uh, or road schooling as we call it, you know, wherever we are in the nation or the world. But, um, uh, you know, I, I want, I wanted to have some kind of grand plan for the, you know, the first, first few months, but we're going to be building a house, uh, in Northern Michigan on a lake up there. And we will probably want to be around for that. So at least for part of it, uh, you know, we're going to break ground this spring and, and probably be making a lot of decisions on, tile and carpet and hardwood and whatnot and all that. So, yeah, yeah. so um, yeah, so we're just going to kind of get, get, you know, comfortable with the homeschooling thing. Uh, we'll be staying at our cabin up there, which is like an hour away from the building site. And, uh, and then I think we'll probably take a trip. We, we may have an RV that we might park on the site where we're building too. Uh-huh. Um, and we may take that on the road for a while, but uh, given the situation with the house building, you know, we don't want to go off to New Zealand for six months, which is something right. we might have done if uh, if not for that. So, yeah, that's come uh, back to a purple house. Right. Uh, so let's shift gears a little bit and let's talk about people who are um, of uh, not as a high high income earners. So that the process is still the same, right? I mean, because presumably you're spending less and you're living on less. So the amount that you need to retire is less yep. to your Right. So it really doesn't change things in some sense, right? Right. And, you know, I think if you are 
if you're only earning, let's say, you know, minimum wage, you're just not going to be able to live on half of minimum wage, right? right. That's not an option. Um, you know, if you're a, let's say a kind of, you know, more median income, I think is in the 60, 70,000 range for a yeah, household, right. mm-hmm. you know, and, and you're going to pay some taxes in that you're probably going to struggle to live on half of that, income, right. but maybe you can save 25 to 35%. And then you can be financially independent in, you know, maybe 25 years. Or like I said, you can work on that income side and that will work to your benefit as long as you don't take that income and, and spend it and use it to upgrade your lifestyle. So, right. but it is all about percentages. You know, there's a, there's a table that you can find, Several people have published just the number of years uh, that you'll have to work to be financially independent based on your savings rate. And if it's 90%, it's like three years because, <laughs> you know, you, you just, that's 27 years worth of uh, spending that you just set aside. You do need a good savings rate. And so as far as savings, we're talking about traditional savings, right? We're- um, so not necessarily savings account, but basically how much you, you don't spend. So um, but we're talking about invest. I, what I, I guess what I meant is you're talking about investing yeah, exactly. or there's index funds or probably heavy yeah. stocks for the most part. You know, you're going to be invested for the long haul. So I, you know, I'm about ninety percent stock, ten percent bond. So let's say the market takes a dramatic downturn this year. <laughs> no, it hasn't. Like right, like I mean, I've read a number of sites where they're saying where. Um, when you look at the valuation, blah, 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 they expected Dow to go down. Let's say the S&P to hit maybe 1,200 or 1,400. And right now it's at 2,500. As there's there's always the, the doom. There's always a permit there, right? But but let's say that happens, that, uh, which is okay. not yeah. impossible. Because if you look at traditionally some large cyclical uh, markets that could go down that far. We've had that too. I mean, too, and even in my investing Time, 2000 uh, and 2008 yeah, nine. so right yeah, it can it can happen but does it does that change your calendar this year if that uh, happen? no uh, it doesn't change okay, the calendar so- for me for for a couple of reasons um, number one the four percent withdrawal rate is based upon kind of the worst case scenarios in the past mm-hmm. so okay. it, it looks at um, there are a couple academic studies one from William Bengen uh, I think in like 90 two or 93, and then the Trinity studies often uh, mentioned in that that was a year or two later. Uh, so they looked at uh, these uh, different time periods going all the way back to before the Great Depression. And you know, if you retired at the worst time in history, how long would your money have lasted? And 97 or 98% of the time, you know, your, your money lasted uh, 30 years or more if you abided by initial 4% withdrawal, and then you increase that dollar value with inflation each year. Now, what would I do differently if the market lost half its value? We wouldn't go to New Zealand for sure, not that we are planning, <laughs> but maybe we'd go to Mexico or Central America for, for yeah. three to six months and you know spend maybe 1,000 or 1,500 a month. Just you, want to, you don't want to draw from your portfolio you know, too much when the market is down. You know, you only lose money when you sell low. Um, it also helps to have a bit of a, a cushion, and that could be a cash cushion. So maybe you just have a couple years of your spending set aside in a money market or a savings account, and that way you won't have to sell any any stock or bond funds when they're low, uh, as long as 
everything in the markets recover within a couple of years. Um, another thing I have is a cushion with uh, income from this other uh, online venture that I have. So we, we've got some uh, different things. Uh, like I said, I'll still keep my license, credentials, et cetera, so that I could go back and do anesthesia work if I chose to. But um, I have written an article that says, you know, a bear market can't really take away your financial independence because once you hit that, let's say, 25x or 30x, you, um, you know, you've already accounted for the fact that the market could drop. And maybe you only have 18x after that, but uh, now valuations are lower after that huge drop. And PE ratios are maybe 12 or 14 instead of 30. And right, right. then the outlook going forward is very bright. So now you have 18x, but you can expect over you know, the next couple of decades, maybe above average returns or, or better certainly than, than what you could have expected you know, before the big drop. So that's just kind of how I think about that. So if people want to find more uh, about you, I mean, obviously, physicianonfire.com or POF. POFire.com. POFire, sorry, POFire.com. What other, when you talked about the collaboration with these other um, fire commentators, what sort of things are you doing with those guys? Uh, Well, the the main two that I um, am working with online are the White Coat Investor, whitecoatinvestor.com, and Passive income md same thing passive income md.com so every saturday we publish uh something that the other has written and uh, we share our things on social media so we're pretty active on twitter and i now have instagram which is mostly just curling pics or or uh, <laughs> brewery stuff but um yeah and then uh facebook i have a presence on facebook and, and on all of those it's just physician on fire uh, the end of the URL and uh, yeah, I've got a Facebook group physicians on fire. So it's plural and that's for docs uh, to join. And and we have a lot of good discussions there. People ask questions and, and uh, you know, 10 or 20 people offer help. So that's really cool. Uh, Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm active online to say, say the least. Do you, and how did you promote your website? A few different ways. I, I, you can, leave comments on other blog posts that are in the same niche. So I think that's mm-hmm. how uh, Dr. Jim Dolly, the white coat investor found me was through some comments that I left on his articles. Uh, I also you know, started getting active on Twitter and putting my articles on there for people to find. Uh, I reached out to Kevin MD, got a guest post on his site fairly early on. So you just need to be seen. You know, if you create something amazing, but it's just at this one website, this address that no one's going to find, well, no one's going to read it. So you you do spend a lot of time uh, just helping people find you. Uh, I spend quite a bit of time on forums as well. Uh, there's the Bogleheads that I mentioned. White Coat Investor also started a forum right about the time I started my site. So just being active there and having that username, that tag, Physician on Fire. Uh, mm-hmm. And you don't want to like self-promote, like, oh, I wrote a blog post about this, you know, constantly, you know, especially early on when people haven't heard of you. Uh, but just show that you're knowledgeable and help people, and, and then eventually they'll, oh, he has a website too, and then go from there. Yeah. Do you do you pay for advertising as well? I do not. Okay. 
I haven't. I may do some Facebook ads. Um, and I, I guess that can be profitable from what I hear, uh, depending on where you send them on your site, you know, but, uh, yes. I, yeah, I, I don't know. That's, that's I, beyond where I'm at at this point. You know, I, I have a Patreon account that I have linked to with the show and I have a number of very generous patrons who help support the show and cover costs and, cool. and, um, which fortunately is very little. So, uh, aside from the, the time and, you know, it goes into stuff. But yeah. Yeah. The startup costs for these things are, you know, a few hundred dollars maybe for, you know, equipment, hosting, whatever it's, it's not. Right. Exactly. It, but the promotion part is very, very challenging. Uh, I'm not, I've tried ads and it's, I'm not sure exactly the best way. Probably, like you said, probably being active in social media and getting on other shows or doing other things. That's how you promote yourself. That's yeah. how you get your name out there. And, people discover you. Do you have an email list as well that you maintain? I do. I do. It's pretty easy to subscribe. You'll see a uh, subscription, my sidebar, and then in a lot of my more popular posts, I have them there. So yeah, I, I just uh, deleted like 500 and some cold subscribers who never open emails. Maybe it goes to the <laughs> box. I'm not sure, but, uh, but yeah, there's something uh, 6,000 some subscribers that get uh, notices when I have uh, a new post and or some of them are in a, a weekly uh, digest list. So if they don't want to get four posts uh, for emails a week from me, they just get one that links to everything that I've published over the last week. And then finally, how, how many hours a week would you say you devote to your physician on fire persona? Uh, too many. Uh, I mean, um, I'm burning an hour right now. <laughs> right. Yeah. Here's one. It's, oh, it's tough to say. I mean, I'm a pretty scatterbrained when I'm online, so I'll have, 18 tabs open them and you know, maybe three of them are my personal email and ESPN and, and the news. And then I'll have a bunch of stuff that I'm reading and I don't, I don't know how to track it. I mean, if I'm yeah, reading right. 20 blog posts and, you know, finding stuff to share for my Sunday best, you know, roundup series, I guess that's, that's working on the site. Although I'll, what I'm doing is reading and learning and being entertained, you know, so it's, uh, but to give you a number, I don't know, it's, it's 30 or more. I would say hours yeah. per week that I'm on the computer. You know how much that I can right. it's, directly ascribe to uh, the site work is it's a little bit nebulous. It's funny because I have people ask me how long I take on the podcast. I say, well, it takes about interviews about an hour. Take about an hour to edit or so, and then it's about an hour to to sort of get the the post up, and mm -hmm. so it's a couple hours a week. But that doesn't include all the times you're out trying to track someone down, sending emails or interviews and maybe reading a book that's related to the interview, reading web. Like I read a bunch of your blog posts, to try to get that feel for right. kind of movement. And those, and those are those, those hours. But again, like you said, I'm learning as much and finding personal enjoyment out of those, out of that. So it's not really, I guess, work or not even related technically to the, the show as much as yeah. it's sort of just yeah, personal it's education. Hard to, it's hard to describe a number. And I, yeah, like right. I said, and, I'll be retired, but I'll still be working and I'll still be making money, but it's a very, very different kind of work. The stress uh, is, is, you know, non-existent pretty much. So Right. <laughs> and, and and probably it's fair to say that the stress would be significant if you were reliant on that income. Oh, yeah. Right. And, right. Oh, I mean, so I that's the difference. Many conversions on, you know, yeah. No. Yeah. You're working, you're working for fun, really. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, which... It's still fun to make money, though. I'm not going to lie. Like... <laughs> <laughs> or just to get page views. Like I used to get really excited, you know, like it's, it's like fantasy football. Like, you know, you, you want your guys to score. You really want your team guys to score. And, and so you can have a high score, but why it doesn't really 
doesn't mean anything. Yeah, no, I absolutely, I totally get that. Yeah. yeah, I would, I followed download numbers for a long time. I mean, occasionally check in and stuff to see which episodes and the numbers and, but yeah, it can be, it can be, it can also drive you mad because you're trying to figure out what, what went wrong or why is this episode not as popular as I thought it would be and yeah. things like that. So, yeah, I've learned that people don't like to hear or read about like charitable giving or like even. <laughs> I did a to them. I wrote up like a 4,000 word post on the mission trip in Honduras and, and barely anybody read it. But then a few days later, I published like the seven habits of the wealthy from passive income MD and oh yeah, everybody wants to know about that. Okay. Probably should have done the seven habits of mission uh, work or something like that. It's probably a list. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I've read quite a bit on charitable giving and, and those posts never perform. I don't care because like I said, I don't, I don't need the views. I don't need yeah. the, the income. And I, I do believe in, in uh, trying to inspire people to, to give generously. So I keep, well, it's as much for you as it is for, for anyone else. And, mm-hmm. and quite possibly those are more impactful. You know, I mean, you may only get a 10th as many views, but perhaps those are more, those affect people more than the, the others, you know, oh, you're right. And I it may change. Like I said, I've right? written about this, you know, donor advised uh, fund that, that we use. And I've had, I would say, uh, I don't know if dozens, but more than a dozen people say they've, they've started a donor advised fund with six figures uh, of their own that is now given to the fund and will be given to charity from there. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's pretty cool. Well, I don't want to take up more of your time. I really appreciate it. And, uh, We'll absolutely have to try and get in touch when you come back to Michigan. Yeah, for you've sure. Got a place in um, Michigan as well. Yeah, so. we did. We did meet briefly about six, seven years ago when I was doing locums there. And uh, but yeah, it would be fun to sit down, have a little more time to chat. Maybe, uh, yeah, maybe we'll have to collaborate some other way because uh, who knows? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, well, I, mean, I love what you're again. doing there too. Uh, not only with the podcast, but I know you, you've uh, been really active in you know, sort of the political side of things. Uh, right, working against MOC and, and some of the uh, you know title creep and other things going on with the <laughs> physicians. So, so I applaud your efforts there as well. Well, I appreciate that, and that is unfortunately that is somewhat of a bigger passion of mine. That's why I actually started the podcast in order to sort of get those to get those things out that are going on because I think those are a bigger a bigger threat. And so that's why I did. It's not for this sort of thing. Although I, since I've started the podcast, I found there's so many other things that are interesting about that are going on in medicine, uh, whether peripherally or directly. Mm-hmm. That I don't know. I mean, it's that's it's been a great learning experience, and I guess it's one of the things that keeps uh, the Alzheimer's away. Yeah, say, you know, doing new things. So, <laughs> so thanks again. I appreciate it. You bet. Yeah. Thanks for the invite. It's good to talk to you. Thanks for listening to The Paradox. If you like what The Doc is doing, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher. And share the show with your friends. Become a supporting listener to get access to special bonuses at patreon.com forward slash theparadox. Show notes can be found at theparadox.com.